I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. My guest today is Dr. Jean Barrasson, professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and senior educator in child and adolescent psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital. In his 40 years working with youth, Dr. Barrasson has focused on prevention, early intervention, and treatment of teens and young adults, and is often called upon by media to weigh in on the impact of societal issues relevant to this vulnerable population. He is executive director of the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at Massachusetts General Hospital. He is an author and conference speaker and has consulted on a variety of TV shows, including ER and Law & Order SVU. And he's a fellow podcaster. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Dr. Bresson. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, I was really intrigued to see your combined backgrounds in music, medicine, and psychiatry. You have a BA in music from Princeton University, MA in philosophy, and MD from the University of Pennsylvania. And in addition to your clinical work, you're a musician and member of the band, I love this, Pink Freud and the Transitional Objects. Tell <laughs> us tell us about your background and how your musical and medical paths converged. Well, I guess it began with my mom. My mom was a concert pianist when uh, she was younger. She grew up during the Depression. And um, I guess she inspired my interest and love of music. So uh, I began as a classical, taking classical lessons at the Philadelphia Conservatory of Music. Uh, But I I could never match her. And I had a godfather figure who was a stage manager of Broadway musicals. And uh, Davey used to take me backstage and I would see these great shows, you know, Oklahoma and and because in Philadelphia back in those days they would take the shows to Philly first and then they would if they if they passed muster they'd go to New York and I learned to play standards by ear and my mom always would say oh man how do you do that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you know it was great so so it began with that and then I picked up guitar at, at age 13 and studied with John Pilla who was just a wonderful guitarist and played backup with Doc Watson Eric Anderson, Arlo Guthrie. I mean, he was just he was just phenomenal. And um, worked at the Philadelphia Folk Festival, where I got to meet all kinds of cool people. You know, uh, Reverend Gary Davis, Mississippi John Hurt, and icons of of uh, Piedmont and Delta blues. And um, continued playing the guitar. And uh, and then when I went to medical school and graduate school, I went back to the piano and learned a little bit of ragtime country pop music and um, continued. And even now I'm, I'm, you know, I always study, but I, I study, I'm, I'm studying with Ben Cook who plays with the Boston Pops and I'm, and, and with a Berkeley guitar graduate, uh, Earl Pugh, who uh, teaches me guitar each week. So uh, I keep up the practicing. It keeps my chops up and, uh, and, and I've learned, the, the coolest thing is with the Clay Center, we make videos and I've written and performed the soundtracks to the videos uh, and to the podcast music. So I've been able to kind of like be a doctor uh, and, and and also uh, now learn, you know, to integrate music with my medical career. 
Yeah, you still get that music fix in there. (laughs) Now, you tell a little bit of your story in your book, your new book, which hopefully we'll have time to talk about that. But you tell a little bit about how you dropped out of medical school to be a musician. But someone at the school kind of intervened. Tell us just real quick. Well, what what happened there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I went to college 67 to 71 and i was very active politically and um because it was uh the war in vietnam and civil rights movement and women's liberation movement and when i got to medical school it just it wasn't that wasn't a good fit at that point in time it, and i was playing with this guitarist in this coffee house and he said um hey, how'd you like to come in the philosophy department? And I said, geez, I've only taken two philosophy courses in college. He said, don't worry about it. You can get it. We have a teaching assistantship open. And I went in and I called the dean up and I said, I'm going to just do philosophy and music. And he said, wait, we'll put you in an MD-PhD program and give you six years of free tuition. Just do anything relevant to to medicine. And and, 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 you know, it turns out that... You know, it, it took me a couple of years to figure out that a- pure academics was not right, and I just needed to, you know, help people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I went back to medical school, and uh, and it was much better. Ah, oh, so fun to hear people's paths, and sometimes they're very straight and linear, and sometimes they have lots of twists and turns and curves in them. Yeah. Well, tell us about how music can be utilized for improved health and well-being for adolescents. We're hearing so much about mental health now. Was it the Surgeon General who came out with sort of a a warning, really, about the state of mental health in our young people in our country? And there's now been a recommendation that young people over a certain age, is it eight, be screened for mental health? Is that right? Yeah, uh, this was beginning pre-COVID, I mean, you know, for the last, oh, 10 to 15 years, um, depression, anxiety, stress, loneliness, and suicidal thinking and behavior has been escalating and escalating uh, in in adolescents and young adults. And um, the Surgeon General did come out with a warning that we were in a youth mental health crisis, as did the American Academy of Pediatrics and other organizations. And um, it's a huge problem. Now, what's what's amazing about it is that uh, among the recommendations that that he that he made, they made were for just basically helping these kids get seen. One of the things that's also important is prevention, and also promoting well-being, and that's where music is one of many elements that come in. So, mm-hmm. well-being. We think of positive, and this is Seligman's work, positive emotions. So what is music does that? Um, engagement with others. You know, teenagers love sharing playlists, you know, listening to music together, going to concerts. Now, during COVID, they couldn't go to concerts, so they would share playlists and do things digitally. Meaning. So the meaning of music, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge, uh, what, what you listen to, how you interpret your music how it identifies who you are and what kind of group you're going to be in, how, or how it differentiates you from other people. It's very meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and, and accomplishments. I mean, many adolescents will be playing music. So it decreases stress. It decreases loneliness. It increases one's sense of identity, even negative identity. I mean, you know, heavy metal with its 
morbid themes and decapitation and bloody, <laughs> bloody existential, you know, horrifying things. For certain kids, that was very important. And the same thing is true for, for rap, which wasn't so much focused on the morbid themes. It was focused on oppression. Well, it is morbid, but oppression, racism, and kind of more social bonding than other stuff. But 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 music is very important in social bonding and in, in teens finding out who they are and what they're all about. And of course, you know, we all remember our first romantic relationship, our song. I still remember mine with my girlfriend when I was driving around in high school. So <laughs> it connects people together. It's kind of like social glue. It is social glue. Dick Clark said, music is the soundtrack of our life. Dick Clark of American Bandstand. From, I'm from Philly, so I mean, that's where it mm -hmm. came from. But but it is it is a social glue, and it's universal. But especially for young people, I think it's really super important. Well, I have two kids who are both swimmers, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about an adolescent subset, youth athletes, who we've also been hearing lots about mental and emotional health with this group of young people. One of my kids swam Division One on an athletic scholarship, and the other is in high school. So I have a special place in my heart for youth athletes. Mm -hmm. And when we had the most recent Olympics and Simone Biles withdrew for mental and emotional health reasons... I mean, as a parent, when you see more and more of those situations happening, it really gets your attention. Tell us some ways that music can be applied specifically with youth athletes and the pressures that they face. Yeah, my, my daughter uh, in high school was on a state champion field hockey team and played Division One field hockey mm. at, U at UMass. And um, I know what those pressures are. They're huge particularly when you're dealing at a, at a high level, but even at lower levels. I mean, it, you know, tryouts are very stressful, making or not making the team, injuries. Uh, so where does music come in? Well, first of all, a lot of young people and professional athletes will listen to music as a way of diminishing stress, of preparing themselves mentally. And they'll use it often in combination with meditation, which is extraordinarily helpful for keeping you kind of focused and relaxed, but at the same time geared up. And, you know, I mean, the other, another aspect of music is most schools have bands and the bands have their fight songs and they pump the kids up. But also music is very helpful in um, decreasing anxiety and in decreasing pain. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of research on the use of music for various medical conditions and two conditions that have been really shown in numerous studies are its use in decreasing anxiety, increasing focus, and in decreasing pain. So it's very helpful for young people, if they're injured, to use music to help diminish the pain. One thing I was just thinking about as you were talking is depending on the the child or the, the young person, some young people seem to have a real intuitive ability to identify what they're feeling and an ability to express it and articulate it. And then some don't, which is probably more normal at that age to not be able to identify and articulate what you're feeling and experiencing. But I'm thinking that some of these young people, these young athletes 
who are experiencing the pressure that goes along with their sport, they may have feelings that they're not able to really identify and express. And I can imagine music being hugely helpful for them in particular when they find a song that either has a melody that has lyrics that they can really identify with and resonate with them. And that can be their way of expressing how they're feeling at that moment without really needing the skills to verbalize it and articulate it themselves. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Music is a wonderful way of uh, expressing what you're feeling, how you're feeling. And, And when it's shared among teammates, certain teammates who are under a lot of pressure or stress can share songs and share the same feelings and share the same direction and bond with each other. So it, it can be it can be not just an expression of feelings, but it can also be kind of a, a social glue. I mean, many teammates have songs that they identify with and that they play, you know, before before games mm-hmm. uh, uh, and after games. So it, it's extremely helpful for the group process, and it's extremely helpful for identifying fe- the feelings. And and I think you're absolutely right too about the lyrics. I mean, lyrics are extremely important. I had a hard time myself remembering lyrics during college. I was a, a kind of a singer songwriter, and back then. I did remember the lyrics, but, you know, for me, it's it's hard to kind of stick to the lyrics because I get so immersed in the music. Everybody, everybody uses it differently. You're totally right. (laughs) Do you have any resources or recommendations for young people, for their teachers, their parents in general? And then I'll ask you the same question related to youth athletes, but First, young people, adolescents, teens in general, and their their teachers and their parents who may want to be a little more intentional about utilizing music to enhance their teens' mental and emotional health. Do you have any resources that you can recommend for them if they want to dig into this a little bit more? Well, there, there are a lot of books uh, on music. My book is a, is a great resource, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, which we can talk about. Um, uh-huh. uh Music, Mental Health, and Well-Being that's edited by McDonald is a wonderful resource. Dan Levitin wrote mm-hmm. a couple books. Uh, this is, you know, Your Brain on Music and and uh, The World uh, or Music in Six Songs. I believe that's the title. There are a number of those books that can be resources. They're not as practical as a resource. They're, they're I think, better for understanding the value of music. My feeling is, is that the best resource is going to YouTube, going to Spotify, uh, asking people to share music. I mean, the members of my band, for example, will send around, you got to hear this. And they'll say, we, we have, we have a, you know, we have a, a group list on our, on, on our phones. And at least once a week, somebody will say, Hey, dig this. You know, and, and, and I think going to YouTube, which is a wonderful resource for music, exploring, sharing it with others, discovering it yourself, finding out new things is probably the best resource. Uh, Now, if you wanted to get more into the theory of how music works, that's where you can get into music, 
mental health and well-being and, and some of the more academic books. The book that I wrote was much more kind of down-to-earth, pragmatic, because one of the things that I wanted to include in it was a whole section on how stories, narratives, that about maybe 40 people, doctors, mm -hmm. mu music therapists, everyday people, people that have that lost loved ones to illness, to suicide, people who had cancer, how they used music to promote their own well-being, as opposed to health, even though it's, it's a part of the series Arts for Health, I was focusing more on well-being because you can be, you can have a terminal illness and, and be in a positive state of well-being with the help of certain things like music, creative arts, and uh, engagement with others, awareness of your own emotions, meditation. So there's a lot of ways of promoting well-being. And music is, I think, one of the most direct ones. You know, it, it, it kind of, number one, it, it's, it's amazing. It utilizes so many parts of the brain. It's not as though it's localized to one region. It brings together your identity, your history, your emotions, your thoughts, your intentions, your motivations, uh, the direction you're going. It grabs you and it and it's it's captivating. So there's something about music that hits the spot. Mm -hmm. And and so I would say the best resource is exploring with others different kinds of music and trying new music out. Don't just stick with what you know, which uh -huh. but but explore. And I'm just going to quick interject for listeners that your book is called Music Arts for Health. It was just released late October of this year. And I do love how you talk in the book about well-being and kind of explaining and defining what well-being really is. What does that mean? And how it, it doesn't preclude illness. Like you, as you mentioned, you could be in hospice, dying of an illness and still experience well-being. So I love how you describe that in the book. And you also mentioned the kind of the heart of the book being these stories of people of, of people's experience with music and what it meant to them, how it changed their life or impacted their life. And as we're talking about resources for people and how music is not a one size fits all, but it can be so different depending on the individual. I think just reading through those stories in your book can be really inspiring for people and, and cause them to think, oh, yeah, this would be a great way. Like I, this really resonates with me. This would be a great way for me to utilize music in my own state of well-being. Or they hear somebody's story that is different than theirs, and it just gets those creative wheels turning, where they come up with their own idea of how music could be useful in their life for their for their well-being and and health. Yes, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think I think that um, I intentionally wanted the book to convey how a wide range of people use music to promote their own well-being and tell a story of how it helped, why it helped, and inspire others to kind of learn from that. Mm -hmm. and, and music, you know, it's kind of like a story. It has a beginning, it goes someplace, 
and it ends, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, the narrative part of that book was, and still is my favorite. Yeah. Well, and you include your story in there too, which I, I enjoyed. And one, one thing I like too, that you point out, I'm just going to read this quote from your book. Um, it's part of a series of books that, link health and social care disciplines with the arts and humanities. So there's a there's a whole series. Other titles include film and theater, singing, reading, and so forth. And, and yours, of course, is music. But the, the quote that I wanted to read is, the books demonstrate the ways in which the arts offer people worldwide a kind of shadow health service, a non-clinical way to maintain or improve our health and well-being. And uh, later on in that introduction, it talks about how there's guidelines, case studies, and resources to make use of these non-clinical routes to a better life. And I, I loved that description of it. This is a quick break to tell you about Sonix, the service that I use to transcribe these episodes. Sonix is an artificial intelligence transcription service that automatically converts audio and video files to text, and it can translate to over 40 languages. I transcribe these episodes to make them more accessible. I tried multiple services and chose to stick with Sonix because of their accuracy, affordability, and because their site is just so easy to use. That's a big plus for me to not need to spend a bunch of time figuring out one more platform. While I love podcasts, I do tend to be a very visual learner. I figure other people probably are too, and having that written form of your work just makes it more versatile. Sonic's transcripts make the most of your hard work and can increase traffic to your site. Sonix is spelled S-O-N-I-X. You can check them out with a free trial plus an extra 100 minutes of free transcription by using the link sonics.ai slash invite slash Enhance Life 100. There's a link in the show notes. Again, it's spelled S-O-N-I-X, and that link is sonics.ai slash invite slash Enhance Life 100 for a free trial and an extra 100 minutes of free transcription. Anything else that you wanted to say about the book before we, I, I do want to sort of go back to that resource question and ask about some resources specific to youth athletes, but anything else first that you want to say about the book? Well, I think, you know, the book also talks about how music helps various medical conditions, such as mm -hmm. Parkinson's, other movement disorders, uh, pain management. It's not a surprise that, that the dental offices are Youth have background music, dance, rhythm, you know, it combats loneliness. It also is very useful in mental illnesses and psychiatric disorders. So I, I really appreciate that. And then the other part of the of the book is is that at the end, I, I wanted to kind of give some guidelines about how we can engage in music. Anybody can, everybody can, and what the challenges are whether you're going to be playing a music or whether you're going to be listening to music or singing. It's not a surprise that the people, you know, sing in the shower, for example. Uh -huh. Number one, it sounds great in the bathroom. The bathroom's acoustics are, 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 are wonderful. Um, but, but, you know, when you're singing, you're not alone because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's mm -hmm. like a performance. It is a performance, 
And even if you are alone, singing kind of helps you feel connected. We humans are pack animals. You know, we need each other. And music has always been a connection, whether it was Lead Belly's uh, writing about chain gangs, line and track, or whether it was a connection of um, other kinds of workers, or whether or whether they're songs of protest, or songs that would bind people together. National anthems. I mean, why do people tear up when they hear "America the Beautiful" or, or the national anthem? It's because it has a, a special meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes back to that identity that you mentioned. Right, right. And, and you know, what I love about the ball game, besides Dr. John's version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game that he played at Wrigley Field, which is a great, a great experience, the way the national anthem is sung these days. When I grew up, it was always kind of like a band playing it. But, but now... We've got rock and pop and all kinds of singers doing their own versions of the national anthem a cappella, and it's great. Well, we'll definitely include links in the show notes where people can get their hands on your book so that they can read about all of the many ways that music impacts our physical health, our our mental health, emotional health, also that part of the book that includes those powerful stories from real people about how music impacts their life. And then you also include practical ideas for integrating musical practices into a a lot of different settings. So we'll have a link in the show notes where people can get their hands on that. Um, Going back to that resource question, what resources do you recommend to youth and I would say youth athletes and their parents and coaches who want to be a little more intentional about implementing music into their routines, their ways of improving their well-being. Well, I don't know of any that are specifically related to sports. Uh, Do you know of many? Do you think there are many sports psychologists who utilize music in their practice? Yes, there are. There are. and and they use it largely for diminishing anxiety, for um, focus. As I said before, it's almost part of a meditative experience because meditation is a combination of body relaxation and focus concentration. So when you put those two together, music can really be an incredible adjunct to um, to meditation. The use of drumming, the use of, of percussion instruments can really be helpful. And uh, the sports psychologists, you know, if, if a player is anxious and they want to increase their focus, they will often uh, recommend making a playlist and listening to that playlist before they play. Well, music is one of those interesting things that can calm and soothe, but it can also arouse and get us pumped up and excited and motivated. Exactly. And and you mentioned uh, dental offices using soothing music. And one of my guests, I'll, I always remember her coda. For her coda, at the end of our conversation, she talked about how she has a real dental phobia. Mm-hmm. And she knew she had these dental 
dental surgeries that she needed to have done. And she had put them off and put them off and put them off. And she finally just made it happen. And she said, the thing that got me through it was this song. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's been proven by studies to be the most calming, soothing (laughs) song that exists. And it's available on YouTube in its full form, which is some incredibly long, I want to say it's like two hours or something like that. If you listen to the full thing, it's really long. I'll include a link in the show notes to that episode. But I... I mean, she used it to get her through this dental procedure, but I imagine sports like youth athletes could also use it when they need something to calm and soothe them. You know, it's it's like those adaptogenic herbs that you can use for a variety of situations and settings and they'll work in whatever way they need to be utilized in that situation. It's performance enhancing. So, you know, a lot of surgeons have music playing in the OR. And mm-hmm. and uh, and they use it because it helps them maintain their focus, keep their anxiety at a lower level, and the combination enhances their performance. You know, I had a couple knee replacements, and both of the times I was conscious because I had a, I had spinal anesthesia, and um, I was chatting with my surgeon as he was operating on me, <laughs> and, and 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 it was a great a great scene. Uh, this was a seminal moment of music. And then he said uh, at the end, as he was as he was closing up, he said, "So, Gene, you want to know my favorite song, and it's pertinent for you." And then he put he put on Fred Astaire singing, "No, no, they can't take that away from me." <laughs> 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 and and literally this is not I was not delirious and the OR nurses and residents started literally dancing around the operating table it was like a scene out of ER and and uh, but 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 you know it was just it was just the perfect way to end the surgery and as a matter of fact I I gave him as a present um uh, Fred Astaire's remake of that tune and a bunch of others uh, with Oscar Peterson playing the piano. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's useful. It's it's it enhances performance. Yeah, I like that. Well, before I let you go, tell us about your podcast because I think that could be a great resource for a lot of people too. Your co-host of the podcast, Shrinking It Down: Mental Health Made Simple. Tell us about it. Well, this is uh, a podcast from the, the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds, and it's largely geared towards parents and to teenagers and young adults. We have it once a month. We usually bring in a guest expert, and and on topics that are of of interest, you know that it's related. It's all related to to mental health. We begin and end the podcast with a with a, a tune that I wrote. And uh, in fact, the coda is the outro. I wanted the mm-hmm. podcast to, to be kind of like, you know, when you listen to, when you watch Stephen Colbert, or you watch the Saturday Night Live, or back way back in the old days with Johnny Carson, you would always know that it was coming on because there's the, the intro and then the outro uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. like bookends. So yeah. um, I, I wrote this tune and got my uh, son-in-law's 
band Cold Chocolate and some friends, and we record. And I played the piano, and we recorded the intro and the outro. I think my code is going to be the the, the yeah. The, the let's outro. just go right into that. Unless we'll include a link to, in the show notes to your podcast. Anything else that you want to say about the podcast before you go right into our coda? Which, if a listener is new to the podcast, I'll just explain the coda is how I ask my guests to close out our conversation. A coda is a musical ending. And our coda in the podcast is the guest sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. So tell us anything else well, you want to well, tell us I, about your podcast and then just go into well, the coda. <laughs> so, but let me, let me tell you about how music, the seminal moment uh, that music enhanced my life. It wasn't the podcast, but I was thinking about that question. And uh, the one moment that music really was special for me, I was a junior in college and in April 30th, 1970, we invaded Cambodia and at Princeton, there was a midnight vigil where we turned in our draft cards to the dean of the chapel. That was the beginning of the student strike that began May 1st. And um, I sang The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. That was a song written by our former poet laureate, uh, Bob Dylan. It really was a protest song written in 1963 about an African-American barmaid who was killed by the cane of this um, guy in Baltimore. It was one of the first songs that was really kind of a, a song about racism that struck me. And, and, and I sang it in the chapel as my fellow students were marching to deliver their draft cards. And um, I'm not the best singer in the world, but that probably was one of the most special moments in terms of my relationship with music, because it was at an incredibly important time and in a beautifully written song, a very tragic situation, but incredibly meaningful especially at that, at that time in my life. So, yeah. so, um, it, it's cool just to hear how impactful that's that song and that moment were for you some 50 years later. And, you know, uh, I, I would, I imagine many of the listeners have not heard that song, but go look at the lyrics. Dylan was not just a great songwriter, but a wonderful poet. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a powerful, piece of art. So I would highly recommend getting it on YouTube and or looking and, and reading the lyrics. I can probably include a link to the show notes to that <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, should that be your coda? Or well, did you no, 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 no. I, I think I think I think the coda should be something that I wrote which, okay. which, and played. So so I think that the coda should be the podcast coda because it's uh, more relevant to kind of what I'm doing now. Well, and when I see a band with a name cold chocolate and friends i'm all in <laughs> so tell us some more about this song and cold chocolate <laughs> well well the the song is called shrinking it down and and it's 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 kind of a, a swing tune that uh, i thought would be kind of upbeat and would uh be really great for the beginning and the end of the podcast my son-in-law, Ethan, has a band, Cold Chocolate, and his drummer and bass player were there. And then I friends, guitarist Milt Reeder and his sax player, and I played the piano, and we just we went into his recording studio for that. Nor- normally, I don't go into recording studios. I do it here at home. But that was that was so much fun to do. So this is 
shrinking it down, the outro for your podcast? Yes. All right, here it is. Thank you so much to Dr. Bresson for joining us today. As always, there are lots of links in the show notes to resources discussed in this episode, including links to Dr. Bresson's new book and his podcast, as well as a transcript of the episode. You'll also find a list of related episodes there that you may enjoy, including the most calming song ever that we mentioned, enhancing athletic performance with music mental skills for stress reduction and peak performance, and what the music you like says about your personality. All Enhanced Life with Music episodes are evergreen, so be sure to check out the back catalog for more ways that music can make your life better. Today's show notes can be found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 146. A link to the show notes page is in the episode details right in your podcast app. If you know of someone who would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. It's easy to do right in your podcast listening app. Just look for your app's share function to share by text, email, or social media. And of course, you can always share the show notes webpage as well. You can always connect with me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music.